Hello, this is Gideon Rothstein, and this is Perak Yud Chet of Sefer Mishnai, chapter 18 of the Book of Mishnai, which we will study with the commentary of Rabbeinu Yonah, a particularly rich Perak, rich chapter on the topics of speech and how to speak to each other, on the topics of wealth and how to deal with wealth or its lack, on the topics of trust in God, of Bitachon. So we will see those major, three major themes, I think, will be dominate much of the Perak. Pasuk Aleph, V'te'avai Yivakeshni Fred, B'chol Tushiyah Yitgala. So the JBS English has it as he who isolates himself pursues his desires because the tava nifrad. If you isolate yourself, you pursue your desires, and he disdains all competence. But then the JPS notes that the meaning of the Hebrew is uncertain in their understanding of it. Rabbi Rabbeinu says there's another theme that I just forgot in my brief introductory words. It's also talking about the tendency to give into our desires, and it means to denigrate those who do so because if you just look to follow your desires you end up separating yourselves from all of your friends because you won't be able to tolerate the other person nobody will be able to tolerate the other person because they just want what they want and therefore if they follow whatever they want and the other person follows whatever they want they're unable to have the give and take and the willingness to uh, self-abnegate that is involved in friendship and relationships to be able to give and to deny yourself so that won't happen and it also means that since you the person tends to just do what they want and follow their desires then they won't be and they, they won't be embarrassed about it they just see this as their God-given right and their ability and then when uh, and, and the reason is that when you tend to just do what you want you tend to see yourself as always right that being true you won't be embarrassed to even say something. You just say out loud all sorts of things. You know, well, I like this and I like that. And the fact that other people would see it as wrong or inappropriate or self-indulgent or any of those things won't even occur to you. And even more so, that when wise people are talking and they're talking about matters of moment, so this person won't refrain from stepping in and just saying what they want because they are sure that they're right and they know and they're as smart as everybody around. And that's the way of people who give in to their desires. I know such people. I fear, I always fear that, I'm, that I might be such a person. I always worry about that. I think we should all worry about such a thing. But I think it's a remarkable description by Rabbi of the tendency to self-indulge and the dangers within self-indulgence. So that continues in the next pair, in the next passage. A kasil. Uh, Srebiniona says that a seal doesn't want what to not, they don't want real understanding to understand the truth. They want just to, to be respected and to get splendor and to show how deep they are. And therefore they don't listen to other people because that would involve sitting and thinking and maybe rethinking and reconsidering their own perspectives. And that, Rabbeinu Yonah says, is a proof that this person doesn't really want insight. Because to get insight, to get the truth, you're going to have to listen to other people. You're going to have to really investigate other perspectives and come to understand them and come to a real uh, meaningful experience of them. So that's Pazag Bet, that it shows you the Ksil who just wants to say what he wants to say. So that is a person who clearly is not actually interested in wisdom of any sort. Pazag Gimel Bevo Bagam Buz Kalon so the literal meaning is that when the wicked man comes, comes derision, and with the rogue comes contempt. And Rabbeinu says that's because the, it, it is the it is a, a characteristic. He does say it's the defining characteristic, but it is certainly a characteristic of an evil person that he looks down on everybody else, um, even even in cases where he himself should have been embarrassed or she herself should have been embarrassed. That's not what a rasha does. They just look down on other people, and therefore with them comes contempt because. They will have contempt. They bring contempt with them because they have contempt for others. And the same thing for the re- for the second half. 
an ish nikla, a lowly person, or a rogue is what the English had, but a, a person like that, a person who acts it appropriately, will sort of take the battle to others. Yicharev kol adam. Will, will revile everybody around them. And that's part of their, I don't know if it's a defense mechanism, whatever you want to call it, but that's part of what's going on for them. And then, so Rabbi Yonah says, and that's what Chazal said in Birkei Avot, who should be honored? Those who honor others, whereas the, these people don't honor others. So if you see people who don't honor others, that's already, for Rabbi Yonah, at least that's already a sign or an indication that the person might be a Rasha in other ways as well. And Rabbi Yonah says the Rasha is worse than the Ksil. We saw the Ksil in the first couple of Sakim. The Rasha is worse because the Rasha damages others. Because from his, I don't know if it's from his, I don't know if it's connected to it, but the Rasha steals and he cheats others and he sells Lashon Hara and he reviles others. He has the very Bizayon. He tries to reduce the self-respect of people around him. So that is a much worse thing and a much worse um, set of results from the activity of the Rasha. Pasuk Dalen, Mayim Amukim Divrei Fi'ish, Nachal Noveya Mekor Chochma. In contrast to the Ksil, who will speak freely, not knowing what he's saying, and the Rasha, who will speak by and large words of contempt for others. Mayim Amukim, deep waters, the words a man speaks of deep waters, a flowing stream, a fountain of wisdom. The person who actually has wisdom, so everything he says now are deep waters. Why do you say deep waters? Why don't you just say they're a fountain of wisdom or a fountain of life? Rayona here says a theme that we've seen about wisdom before, but that I'm not sure that we in Western society have absorbed yet as true that when it comes to wisdom, it is like deep water because you can't drink them until you work at it, Rayona says. And you can't understand the words of a wise person without working on it. So that in a, in a democratic society that has shifted very much in the direction of populism, of the idea that everybody can understand everything, or that you have to say things the way that we can understand, this is, I think, a corrective to that, if we take it to heart. It's coming to warn people that they shouldn't think that whatever they hear, they'll understand it fully right away and they'll get it. And if they don't get it, they don't have to bother working at it. It's not true. Sometimes you have to work at something, you have to do it twice, three times, you have to think about it, you have to come back to it. And and only then will you actually get to a full understanding of what it was that was being said. And the Rebbe Yonah suggests that might also, it might also be that this Pesach Dalit can expect to Pesach Gimel, and that one of the things that the Rasha tends to denigrate and to look down on are the words of the wise. So that would be another or a separate negative impact of the Rasha'im, is that they make it harder for people to understand that the wise are the people they should be chasing and looking after and trying to listen to. It's especially difficult if you have somebody who says something that's simple to understand, or something that's complex and difficult to understand, which one would you tend to want to understand? You tend to want to understand the person who's saying the simple thing and the easy thing. What Rabbi is saying, it's not true in every case. I've certainly heard wise people speak in ways that were unnecessarily obtuse, unnecessarily opaque, unnecessarily hard to understand. And I've heard very wise people speak in ways that are very accessible. And I don't think that Rabinion is saying that accessibility is a bad thing. I think he's just saying that there are many parts of wisdom that are not so accessible and that people will take a while until they're able to understand them. And that's the responsibility of the listeners, not only the responsibility of the speaker. That's okay. Rabbi says this pasuk, say pnei rasha lotov, it's not good to allow a rasha to go or to watch a rasha, not right to be partial to the guilty and subvert the innocent in judgment. Rabbi says when it says it's not right, say pnei rasha lotov, it's not just that it's not right. Rabbi says he's talking here about the person who witnesses it 
and witnesses perversions of justice. So the the judge obviously is doing the wrong thing because he is giving the he's perverting the justice. He's giving the, the the judgment to the wrong person. But the person who watches silently, without protesting, that is going to be a problem as well. And Rabbi says that person as well will be punished for letting a corrupt justice system continue and flourish and go on. It's not just the judges themselves will be punished, but the people who watch it and know it. So this, I think, is a is an element of our lives that we don't necessarily uh, succeed so well at. And I, because especially if you expand it beyond specific judges, but even within the realm of judges, I think that that certainly in America, but let alone, but also sometimes in but they did unfortunately. But there are many cases where justice in the world is not. It meted out in just ways and in ways that are appropriate and proper. And yet we sort of let it happen, we watch it happen, and we allow it to become a part of who we are. I, I remember just as an example, years ago when I was working in a certain shul, I met a divorce lawyer, and this divorce lawyer was clear about the fact, it was just obvious, it was well accepted that in divorce circles, the lawyers knew the judge and they were friendly and that they all socialized together. And then it was clear that if some two, one party to a divorce had a lawyer who the judge knew well and was friendly with, and the other one had a, ju- had a lawyer who the judge didn't know, wasn't friendly with, didn't like, that was clearly going to affect the level of justice in that divorce that was going to come out. So this is an example of just, and I think it easily happens in other areas as well, and yet we watch it and we see it. So that's Rabin Yon is at least saying to watch and see and know is itself a problem and an issue that would be uh, that, that that should be worked on and that should be concern a, con- a source of concern. Pasuk vav yikra. The words of a fool lead to strife. His speech invites blows. So Rabin says people when they get angry when they're having an argument. After the argument, once the argument is in full swing, they tend to get angry to speak angrily. But the ksil, that's Pasuk Vav, Sifte Ksil the ksil, right when he gets into the fight, he's already ready. He's already fully duked out, decked, you know, he's got his dukes up, as it were, his verbal dukes up, his verbal fists up. He's ready to start striking blows because he has made his lips accustomed to speaking angrily and, and, and in a fighting kind of way, and Torbin says this is supposed to teach you that you shouldn't raise your voice even when you're admonishing somebody, even when you're upset with somebody, and that's why we say the words of the wise are heard because the wise always speak with somebody about whom I Notice this greatly that really never raised his voice, never got angry in a, in that not it wasn't that there wasn't anger ever or there wasn't upset about what was going on, but the raising of the voice is what Riniona is saying is here that that it's not only the content of the argument, it's also the manner in which the words are spoken, and that the seal is somebody who comes into the fight read already to let that anger flow and fly. Um The seal will, I apologize for the, that silence, the seal, that his mouth will trip him up. It's going to cause him to be afraid because when his enemies come and he can't uh, control himself, he's going to say the wrong thing because he doesn't have control over his mouth. And therefore, this seal who has gotten used to and allowed himself to get used to speaking inappropriately or too angrily or raising their voice too much, is going to have problems. They're always going to be worried about what they're going to say that's going to get them in trouble. The words of a querulous man are bruising. And your gun is somebody who comes in also seeking fights, enjoying fights, not enjoying, but always ready for a fight. 
And so those, the, the words of Inirgan are bruising. They're going to penetrate one's inmost parts. They're going to cause problems. Rabbi Yonah says, what, Inirgan is a person who always has complaints about his friends, let alone other people. And he always assumes that they were coming to insult him or embarrass him. And therefore he always argues about it or is upset about it. And then, and Nirganim will be people who will seem to always be insulted and always be persecuted and their complaints will hurt those around them. Because when somebody complains at you, you, it hurts. And, and you feel like you've been blamed for no good reason. And that is a hurtful experience. And it could even be sometimes that the person who's being blamed has, was trying to do the, a good deed. Not just they were neutral. They were trying to do something nice and good. And that would be then a lack of gratitude on the part of the Nirgan. The Nirgan is a person, Rabinion is saying, who is always so alert to insult and alert to, uh, problematic treatment that they don't even recognize when people are doing good by them and then they damage their human relationships by doing so in that they always take it badly and they're always ready to sense insult and slighting even when it's not there. Pazakted, says, this is talking about a person that says people might tend to think that the only problem is if they're working for somebody else and they don't do their work properly and, and assiduously, that's the problem. So, you know, he says, that's the puzzle coming to tell you that even if it's your own mulacha, never it's your own choice. If I work hard, if I don't work hard, I'll make a little more, I'll make a little less. And he says, no, that is part of being a Baal Mashkit. You are like the brother to a Baal Mashkit, to a destructive person. Because if you destroy your own money, that's also a sin, Rabbi Yonah says. So this is just a, an interesting question I think everybody Yonah is taking a stand on and I don't mean to take a stand on it but I mean to point this out let's suppose somebody feels like they have enough money or you know I knew a guy I had a friend in high school who used to work who worked one summer told me he was working selling something and if he made a few big sales in the beginning of the week took the rest of the week off so in some sense that might be admirable if, they took, if a person takes the week off to I don't know to visit the sick to give more charity to the poor to work with the poor to learn more Torah you might say that they have a realistic and a proper understanding of the value of money. And I'm not sure that Rabbi Yonah would disagree with that. He doesn't bring it up here. But if they just go into work and they just hang out, they don't do their job well, if they have a company that makes, you know, a million dollars a year, but with only a little bit more work, it can make $20 million a year. So Rabbi Yonah sees that as being a sinful thing, that when you are lackadaisical about your work, now lackadaisical about your work does not mean that you decide to put your energies elsewhere. It means that when you're doing your work, you're not even... Uh, serious about your work. So that's like a person who's destroying their own money and that is inappropriate. Uh, and he says, and people think that there's no sin there and that there's no problem there. And that's, so that's one issue. And then he says, also thinks it's talking about, if you're talking about the area of wisdom and the area of learning, um, and, and you're going to be lazy about that, same idea, same problem. And he says, many times in the book of Mishlei, we denigrate laziness. So that would be the other two aspects here. One is, even in monetary terms, Rabbi Yonah has a problem with people losing their own money or not dealing with their own money carefully. That's like wasting. And waste is a problem. And then on the other hand, it's also true that laziness is a problem. So this Pasuk is about either waste or laziness or both, according to Rabbi Yonah. Pasuk Yud. Migdal Oz Shem Hashem Bo Yerutz Tzadik Now we're going to talk a little bit about trust in Hashem and faith in Hashem. And this might seem to go in the opposite direction from what we just saw in that Rabbi Yonah is going to say that ultimately you should have faith in God and that would seem to say well then why should I bother working but he says both he says you have to work hard when it's time to work on the other hand a person will be he says the name of God is a fortress of strain 
is that a person will be saved from troubles when he remembers Hashem and Davin's to Hashem. Because person will then, because people generally uh, say, I won't go on that road until I know that it's safe, and uh, this and all their plans to try to find safety. And you find that a lot today. Whereas Rabbi Yonah says that Sadiq knows that his job is just to trust in Hashem. So that doesn't mean you should jump off a building and assume you can trust in Hashem, just like with the previous puzzle. Rabbi Yonah didn't say you should just not bother working and then you'll get, and then assume that Hashem will give you money. So it's not trust in Hashem to the exclusion of making our own efforts, but it is trust in Hashem and understanding that Hashem is really the source of our strength and our salvation. So this is something that I remembered noticing during, these are already long times ago, but during the Intifada, in, in Israel, when people stopped visiting and they would say, well, hi, it's dangerous and it's this and I just remember thinking this exact question coming to mind. Who do we really trust for our safety? So I wouldn't, you wouldn't jump on a grenade, a grenade unless I knew I was saving other people and I was doing it on a purpose, knowing that I was gonna, it was gonna hurt me and possibly kill me. I'm not saying that you can do those kinds of things and trust in Hashem, but the general pattern of life, there has to be an underlying trust. And Renio says that trust in Hashem is one of the highest levels of fear of Hashem. So if you want to talk about Yirat Shemayim and our relationship with Hashem, having trust is an essential part of it. The second piece of it is that a person who has Avonot, um, that a person who does have sins, is going should be afraid of their sins. And so they should know that. So a tzaddik will not have many sins, and therefore they will have trust in Hashem. But a person who has sins should be afraid of them and should therefore do tshuva. They should repent. It's not that they should therefore be afraid and they have the right to walk around in a fearful life. They should do tshuva, they should repent, and they should return. And that sense of trust in Hashem will also, according to Rabbi Yonah, give a person power and strength to work day and night because he quotes the passage of Yeshayahu, they'll have a lot of strength and they'll go and they will never tire. And he points out there, there are mitzvahs that require a lot of effort like Pidyon Shvuyim. You have to go and run and walk and try and see. There are other mitzvahs that just require staying power such as sitting and learning Torah that requires a different kind of strength, a different kind of of, of, of continuity really is what it requires and that will also come from the trust in Hashem. That a rich person trusts in his wealth and um, in his fancies with the mosquito, in his fancies with the JPS has, but they say the meaning of the Hebrew is uncertain. Rediona says that, and this is a problem, that the rich person trusts in his wealth and whereas you're supposed to trust in God and the fact that you trust in your wealth is going to be a fact, a reason why you might end up being, uh, having a fall, being brought down because Hashem is trying to make, might try to make that point, might try to show that's a problem. Before ruin a man's heart is proud, humility goes before honor. Rabbi just quotes, quotes comments the idea being that those who are prideful are more likely to be brought down and to, find, to face a time of, of destruction, not destruction, of time of decline, let's say. Whereas those who have anava are more likely to have kavod to be put into positions of honor because their anava, their modesty, their true modesty, not modesty waiting around for the honor to come, but the true modesty, the true humility will prepare them for those kinds of positions and Hashem will bring it about that way. At least according to A striking comment he says that, the Pesach says, somebody who answers before you hear, it's an evelet. Now evelet just means silliness. Uklima is embarrassment. Rabbi Yonah says, it's a sign of internal arrogance. And the arrogance is... 
that you assume you know the other person's intent so fully and so clearly already that you can answer them already. And then when it turns out they weren't saying that, you'll be embarrassed. And that's what the Pasuk is talking about. So Rebbe understands this Pasuk, Pasuk Yigimel, as being about the evils of interrupting somebody or answering them too soon. And the reason why it's evil is not because of that intersects. It's not the it's not the lack of respect in not waiting to hear it out. It's the lack of respect in assuming you know what the other person is going to say. Pasuk Yudalad Ruach Ish the contrast between the body and the mind, we would say, that if a person is physically ill, their attitude and how they take it, that can affect exactly how it goes. People with a good attitude experience illness extremely different than people with a negative attitude, with a despondent attitude. And that's But if a person has a despondent internal nature, they have a they have a depression, they have a melancholy, they have all sorts of things in, in their minds, then they have no help because the body has no help in that. And that would mean then that mental health would seem to be much more important than physical health. Uh, I don't mean that as a statement about healthcare or anything like that. I just mean that in terms of the Pusik that Rubinio is pointing out, that our physical challenges are just that. They're physical challenges. And then we have the challenge of how to respond to them. You know, those of us who are burdened, who may be burdened, with mental and, and, and depression and mood issues and issues of attitude towards the world. So that has to be worked on very significantly. And there's nothing other than trying to find a cure for that, trying to find a way to develop a different attitude, different perspective. The wise person, the insightful person will always seek knowledge and understanding, and the ears of the wise will always look for it as well, even though they've already gotten it, is what Benyona stresses, right? It's not that, that the person hasn't gotten it. It's not the person who wants, knows that they should want it, will, will, will want it. It's that they know they should always be getting it, even though they've already gotten it, they will always go on further and further and more and more. And that's what the Pasuk is stressing, that it's a continuing process of learning. Pasuk design matan adam yarchivlo yanchenu. If a person gives gifts, and gives gifts not just to like flatter people, but gives gifts to people who need them and deserve them, or is just a generous person, people will know that, and they'll praise him, and therefore he'll get widely known, and he'll have a lot of friends, and then with a lot of friends, with a, big, with a great social support system, social support network, you lose much of your worry in life, because you're sure that, uh, you're not sure, but you have more confidence, or more of a, of a sense of, of comfort, that there will always be people there to take care of you, and if Nigdolim, that you'll eventually or soon to come to be in the company of the greats of um, high and mighty societies because they'll know you well they'll hear the, of how great you are and they will seek your uh, presence your company your your being around them see this now as a shift of direction we've had discussions so far of of the Ksil and his tendency to give in to what he likes, of the Rasha and his tendency to create fights, of the issue of justice, of how to speak or how not to speak, of wasting money or using, and, and the opposite problem or a different problem of being too trusting in your money as opposed to being trusting in Hashem. Now a new topic, a little bit of a new topic of the courts system in that, the person who comes to Beit Din first and tells them his perspective of a fight or her perspective of a fight, it sounds like they're right because people rarely come to court and say and make a claim that makes it clear that they're wrong. It happens because they don't understand how wrong they are, but it's rarer. It's less It's less clear. It's less obvious. It's less common. What's more common is they'll give a, 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 
version of events, and that version of events will meet their perspective, and it'll sound like they're right. But then when the friend comes, when the other person comes and they say their claim, Rabbi Yonah says there was no value in having gone first because after that, what will happen is the judge will listen and ask questions and he'll hear the other guy's claims and then it'll turn out that the judge will come to whatever conclusion he came to first, Rabbi Yonah says, and therefore there's no value in trying to come first. In fact, he's lost. Why is he lost? Because the judge might come to to suspect that he was lying and the reason why the judge might suspect, suspect that is because he made so sure to come first when the other person wasn't there and Chazal of course said that you're not allowed to try to make your claims before the other person arrives now I would have thought when Chazal said that they meant because you might sway the judges and the judge might not be able to be objective Rinyon is assuming that no good judges will certainly be able to be objective even though they've heard this guy's claims first and that, and then therefore it's don't do it because you're going to end up losing because of it. So that's an interesting difference, I think, from what one might have assumed. One might have assumed the reason not to accept judge, uh, the reason not to give and not to accept one version first is because it might in fact sway the judges permanently. Rinyon is assuming that no, the judges, assuming they're good judges, will find their way to the truth anyway, and then the first person will lose out, and that's one of the reasons why he shouldn't do it. Midyanim Yeshbita Goral, Yafrid. Everybody on here is talking about the lottery. He's saying when you have a uh, time of argument or of, of dispute over monetary issues, when you have a dispute about something, and there's two sides, and nobody really knows who's right. Everybody thinks they're right. Everybody um, understands this pasuk of saying that have a lottery, have a have, you know, a compromise would be like split it down the middle. But let's say that's not possible. Or the fight is you have two pieces of land, and each side wants the same one. They think that one's better, and there's no way to split it up differently. So have a lottery. And the reason to have a lottery is that we'll stop the fighting Rabbi Yonah things, because both sides will understand that it's Hashem who is involved there. Now that makes an assumption that I don't know that it's true today anymore, but it's an important assumption to think about and to wonder why we no longer think it's true. What is it in our experience of science today or experience of modernity today that has lost us this sense of that? So I've raised issues like this in discussions of Mishlei and other Minivim because they come up a lot. You'll pardon me, but I think it comes up in my book, Cassandra misreads the book of Samuel as well. Uh, but it comes up a lot just in terms of if you if you believe in a God and a God who has some relationship with the world and there's some form of divine providence, where does it come into play? Where does it not come into play? So if you have a lot, a lottery between two pieces, you might say, well, why should I think that Hashem will be involved with that at all? Perhaps. Rabbi Yonah is saying, the Pazik Mishle is saying, no, that Goral is good for that because Goral means that's what Hashem wants and that's the way Hashem wants it to work out. Pazik Yutet. Uh, this is related back to the question of disputes and how to split things up. Rabbi says brothers tend to have even more of that than most people because they'll have a they'll have a an inheritance to share at some point, and they'll often tend to fight about it. We people see this all the time, and it's a sad, terrible thing. Rabbi says that's why they should be extra careful to avoid fighting. Because from there they can come to hatred and to hating each other and it's terrible. And it's worse than ordinary hatred because the brothers know each other best and they can cause the most damage to each other and they can tell stories about each other and all sorts of things that would be terrible. And, and it's like you're locking a palace against like the big uh, bars that keep palaces closed. So too, once there's a fight between brothers, there's going to be, it's going to be extremely difficult. Like trying to storm a fortified palace, it's going to be extremely difficult 
to try to get them together again. And therefore, they should be extra careful when they're having interactions with each other to avoid these kinds of fights. Uh, that is, that a man's belly is filled by the fruit of his mouth, he will be filled by the pride of his lips. So, I said this is in contrast to the previous couple of verses, we're talking about fighting and how terrible fighting is, because when you have a fight, you'll say the wrong kind of thing, you'll tell Lashon Hara, you'll, you'll, you'll gossip, and then you'll get punished for it. So therefore, the other way around, it says that you're going to get a lot of sakhar if you speak the proper ways. And what are proper ways to speak? If you try to admonish and remonstrate with the public to help them improve their ways, or you try to get people to have to be to get over fights like our own, like we famously Aaron Cohen did, or you learn Torah, and so therefore the er, first part of the puzzle is about lashon hara and the evils of tail bearing, and the end is about that when you speak that in the righteous kinds of ways, you get lots of reward for it, and therefore it's to show you that speech is not in itself good or bad; it's rather what you do with it. And that's the next puzzle according to Rini Onam, Avid Vachim Biad Lashon, Biad Lashon, that death and life are in the hands of your, of your tongue. If you, and Rini Onam says, then that means if you like to speak, there are people like that. So one solution would have been, change yourself. Learn not to speak so much, because speaking too much will lead you to tailbearing and gossip and all that stuff. And he says, no, it's the other way around. The puzzle is telling you, since there is death, but also life in the hands of the, of speech, if you like to speak, then you should Try to find a way to speak always about things that you get rewarded for. And speak about things of wisdom, things uh, remonstrations that lead to greater life and peace and truth. And then you'll get a lot of reward for it. And if you like speaking that way, you'll get the fruits of your labors as long as you stay away from Lashon Hara, because that could be Mavit. So that it's not speech that is good or bad, it is rather what you do with it. And therefore, if you find yourself a person who tends to enjoy talking... Then make tapes for the OU's Nachyomi project, and you'll have some hopefully good reward for it. Rivinioni says that most things in this world that are seen as success, like peace and serenity and wealth, though they can also lead to downsides. So wealth might lead you to be overly reliant on your wealth, or you might get overly proud, or you might from the sense of serenity, not do what you're supposed to do in terms of the world. But if you get a wife who's good, so that's just all good. That's to'elet be'enezek, that's what Rabbi says in Puzzle Kavbet, a good wife, meaning a good partner, and he says it here just about a wife, a good partner in life is just all good with no downsides. Puzzle Kavgimel, ta'chanunim yidabe rash, ve'ashir ya'aneh azot, Puzzle Kavgimel, the poor man speaks beseechingly, whereas the rich man's answer is harsh, Rinyona points out that both here, the puzzle means to tell you that both wealth and poverty are problematic. The poverty is problematic because it will lead a person to need other people and then they'll speak flatteringly and beseechingly. So the beseeching part isn't the problem. It's that you'll then almost lie to get them to like you and you'll have fear of people where you're just supposed to have fear of Hashem only because you'll need them to get the scraps of food that you need to survive. And that's what part of what poverty brings to you. And that is a pechituta nefesh. It is a lowliness of soul when that happens. On the other hand, rich people who don't have that problem, but they very often tend to speak harshly to other people. And they tend to think of themselves as greater than other people. And they tend to value themselves too greatly and all those kinds of things, as we've seen before in this chapter. And so that's what Muslim is telling you, that both of them are a problem. It's the wealth and poverty are each a problem. It's and uh, and you need to try to avoid the problems of either one. Ishreim last pasuk Ishreim lehitroeya v'yesh ohev davek me'ach. 
So a man of friends, well, lihitro ea is, so the, the JPS has just their companions to keep one company, there's a friend more devoted than a brother. But Reniona thinks that the friends are meant, is more here than just that you have friends, it's good. It's that you'll get from there, you'll get praise and splendor. And you'll also be saved from the things that we spoke about in the previous, in the previous verse. So first of all, you'll be saved from the, the need for others as in poverty, because you'll have lots of friends, so you won't need that. And that's why Rabbi Niona says that's one of the values of being wealthy or having some wealth, because then you'll be able to support the lifestyle of friendship. The lifestyle of friendship, the lifestyle of socialization does cost money. You need to have people over, you need to give them gifts, you need to care about them. That costs money. So, uh, absolute poverty will be a, a, a barrier to being able to ha- get and keep these friends. But, once you have friends like this, so and once you get enough to have them, you don't need other people. Even if though you're not rich, you'll be able to do this, and then you'll be able to avoid either side. You'll be able to avoid looking. You'll have friends, and therefore you won't speak harshly to other people around you because you'll just have a sense of comfort in your friendships. And also that besides the honor that you get from it and all the wonderful things you get from it, you'll also have it. You'll have relationships, and you might find a friend who's even better than a brother, and that's the end of that of that verse. You'll have a thing. So much of this parak, again, it's like Mishli in that the parak goes from puzzle to puzzle or a couple of puzzle and then just to a new topic. But the there is a core here that seems to be all about the questions of of the and they're all related with each other. The questions of speech and how we handle speech, human relations, how we handle them, how we avoid the worst aspects of human relationships by having a proper trust in Hashem or feeling that or, or knowing that Hashem is there and trusting in Hashem and that will help us develop our characters in ways that will put us into good and proper social circles from where we'll build a life in which everything will go as well as possible for us with best wishes and hopes that that will be true for all of us in the near future. Have a great day.